Namaste, everyone. This is Baba Shivaram Sarasvati, and you're listening to a series of my teachings on the Vigana by Rabba Tantra. Uh, I'm using an English translation by Lauren Roche, uh, published in a book, The Radiant Sutras. And these are 100. I think that's a, a, a fantastic translation, uh, by the way, and I highly recommend the book. Uh, it's, it's the best English translation. There are several available, but that was the best one, uh, I think, that I looked at. So this is a conversation between Lord Shiva as Bhairava and uh, Parvati, his wife, as Devi or as the goddess in the text. And uh, we can kind of think of the goddess as interviewing Lord Shiva on paths to enlightenment on our behalf, right? Because when when Parvati asks Shiva a question, we know it's not because she doesn't know something. She's kind of interviewing Lord Shiva for us, and this is a magnificent text. Uh, it comes from the non-dual Shaiva tradition uh, of Kashmiri Shaivism. Uh, there are as many paths, I'm sure we've all heard it, there are as many paths to the divine as there are seekers of the divine. But... And ultimately, we're all going to have to take our own paths. But we can look at these sutras, like these, these 112 sutras, as uh, templates that can help us to craft our own path to enlightenment. And uh, probably any one of these 112 could get you right straight to full uh, union with the Supreme Divinity. Uh, but if you're like most people you're going to end up taking bits and pieces from different paths and cobbling them into your own path. So we use the past not as a roadmap, but as a set of instructions. Um, so before we begin these meditations, I just want to very briefly uh, review the most important concept as far as I'm concerned in all of spirituality. Uh, the essence of Tantra. All beings are manifestations of divine consciousness, living in varying degrees of ignorance. Uh, what kind of ignorance? Ignorance of their true nature. Uh, all of our limitations. If we're little incarnations of the Supreme Divinity, why don't we have like the self-control and the power and, and, and so forth of deities? Well, it's because uh, we're like young princes and princesses that were kidnapped at birth and don't know who we are. We are, we're not children of the divine. We are the divine, each and every one of us. Yet we're cloaked in an arbitrarily constructed identity that places limitations on our infinite potential. And so the, the essence of the Tantra is that uh, the entire world, every, the, the Saha world, the world of objects and relations, the, the, the world empirically believe, we, we believe to be the real world, it's a stage. It's a stage on which we experience our karma. And all of these objects that we become so attached to are really just stage props. Uh, 
they have nothing to do, you know, with the theme of, of the play, as it were. So uh, as we shed our ignorance, we also shed our attachment to illusions, and we embrace our true nature. The, the deities that we think of commonly as the deities, Lord Shiva, Parvati, uh, 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 Kali, Durga, Lord Ganesha, these are perfected manifestations of supreme divinity uh, manifesting in duality for our benefit. I think of the deities, yes, as objects of worship, yes, as loving, yes, as all of the characteristics you can give them, but really the, the deities for us in this part of, of our, our journey are coaches. And like all coaches, they want their, 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 their team to win. They want their, you know, the, the, the runner they're training. They want the runner to run fast. Lord Shiva uh, wants us to make it. And that's kind of a point of distinction, I think, between this path and some of the paths of the past. So in this dialogue, we're going to see Lord Shiva and Parvati discussing past to enlightenment. And we're going to get some incredible clues as to the true nature of reality as we study these. So with that, we will begin our study of this week's segment, this week's sutra. And may you profit greatly from the hearing and study of these sacred words. Om Namah Shivaya. So as we begin the Vigana Bhairava Tantra, we find the goddess in a conversation with Lord Shiva as Bhairava. So again, this is Lord Shiva as Bhairava speaking with his wife Parvati, referred to here as the Devi or the goddess. She begins, Beloved and radiant Lord of the space before birth, revealer of essence, slayer of the ignorance that binds us. You who in play have created this universe and permeated all forms in it with never-ending truth. I have been wondering. I have been listening to the hymns of creation enchanted by the verses, yet still I am curious. What is this delight-filled universe into which we find ourselves born? What is this mysterious awareness shimmering everywhere within it? I have been listening to the love songs of form longing for formless. What are these energies undulating through our bodies, pulsing us into action? And this matter out of which our forms are made, what are these dancing particles of condensed radiance? What is this power we call life, appearing as the play of flesh and breath? How may I know this mystery and enter it, enter it more deeply? My attention is enthralled by a myriad of forms, innumerable individual entities everywhere, flashing into existence and fading away again. Lead me into the wholeness beyond all these parts. Do me a favor, my love. 
Let me rest in your embrace. Refresh me with the elixir of your wisdom. Ravish me with your truth. So here we have the Divine Mother herself reposing with Lord Shiva. And for our benefit, I think kind of on our behalf, she's asking uh, some very deep questions to Lord Shiva. I, I, in my opinion, the deepest questions one could ask. So let's start, before we go on to Lord Shiva's response in the next show, let's spend some time really digging in to what the goddess is saying here. Um, because remember, these, these deities, Lord Shiva, uh, Durga Ma, they are as perfect an incarnation of the Supreme Divinity or an aspect of the Supreme Divinity as possible while still dwelling in duality in samsara, right? So think about a, a, a block of clay, a couple of three-pound big, big block of, of clay. It's basically formless, right? It's just a lump there before you. Uh, and at that moment, the clay has infinite potential. I can take that clay and form it into a large shiva lingam. Uh, and use it to make offerings to the, the god of the gods, to Mahadev, to Lord Shiva. Or I can use the same clay and build some wine decanters and you know fire them in an oven uh, and use them as wine receptacles and invite a lot of people to the ashram and say, come and drink wine with me. I have fashioned new vessels for, uh, to pour this wine with. Uh, and three or four people leave the ashram drunk and kill people on the way home. So that, that clay, is, is it good or is it bad? Well, it's, it's both and it's neither, right? It's undifferentiated potential. The supreme divinity, uh, in its unmanifested state, and there have been estimates as to what percentage of the supreme divinity is manifested at any one time. But I think for our purposes here, what we need to know is the Supreme Divinity is all that is. And to some extent, that Supreme Divinity does not manifest in duality, existent yet transcendent of duality. Uh, and that's the unlimited divinity. Unlimited, because it, when I manifest, when I take that lump of clay and turn it into something, and I fire it, you see, I can't knead it into any other shape. I've, I, it, now it's a wine decanter, or it's a lingam, um, or, 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 or whatever it is, but it's no longer infinite in potential. Now it has a very specific manifestation. A specific manifestation in duality is going to require that the unlimited be expressed in terms of a limitation. Uh, 
And so when we think about Lord Shiva and, and Parvati in banter, at the, they're just reposing and, and talking, we're looking at, if you look at, at uh, a random person out of society, they too have unlimited potential. They are a manifestation of divine consciousness. So Jim Smith, hypothetically, your, your average fellow, um, is a manifestation of, of divine consciousness, yet he, uh, we kind of know Jim Smith by his limitations. Does he have a long nose or a short nose? Uh, is he tall or short? Is he likable or unlikable? So, in that instantia instantiation in duality, this Jim, this fictional Jim Smith, we're, we're using it as an example, is not just going to be limited in the sense that now divinity is is limited in manifestation and duality, but also limited in the sense that as a divine, uh, an incarnation of divine consciousness, Jim Smith probably doesn't realize what he is. He's ignorant of his true nature. And so he has a lot of suffering and a lot of attachment. And over time, any being, our, our fictional Jim Smith or any other sentient being, over time will, will grow in understanding little bit by little bit maybe, or in some cases all at once, lose that ignorance, shed that, that mantle of ignorance, that, hyper, that arbitrarily constructed ego identity, and embrace the true identity of, I am a manifestation of divine consciousness. I'm unlimited. So when you, when you, you read uh, an account of a sadhu with city powers, uh, occasionally they can walk on water or they can live for a long, long time, years at a time without food or water. The, there's some bizarre city powers that, that are recorded throughout history and they're still in individuals today. What happens there? Is it magic? No. It's that they have shed certain types of ignorance of their true nature and therefore divine radiance, divine capability starts becoming exposed. Uh, so that's the, that is the essence of the tantras. And as we study these sutras, we're going to get deeper and deeper into a very uh, fine-grained understanding of exactly what, the, what is the truth of the tantras that can save me from suffering and enable me to experience bliss. So... Let's start uh, just piece by piece. Beloved and radiant Lord of the space before birth. We know why Lord Shiva is beloved and radiant, and we know that he's Lord, but Lord of space before birth. I, I wonder, is the goddess here saying that as we, 
as we are in the process of sh- early in the process of shedding fundamental ignorance of our true nature, we are like the children of Shiva. We're like toddlers. Um, we're not infants anymore because we can act and move around and articulate and communicate to some extent. But we're not grown up yet. Uh, and so anyone who has raised small children knows that that is a real recipe for disaster. You have a being with increased competence. In other words, it can move around and manipulate objects and open doors and say things. Um, but not not the full wisdom of how to use these newly acquired powers, right? The art of not running with scissors is something that we learn. It's not something we're born with. So here we are on our spiritual journey, and we are spiritual toddlers. We have great capacity to act with consequence, but we don't know very much about how to handle that power. And, and losing ignorance of our true nature is gonna is gonna coincide with learning how to use these powers that we've got. I can move from one place to the next. Uh, I'm not like a sea anemone that can only move uh, very small distances. I can walk around and run around. I can speak. I can inspire others to action by my speech. Uh, Lord Shiva, in this space before birth, this space before birth. I'm in the womb spiritually, in a way. I'm helpless. In this space before birth, in this, in this time before I realize my true nature, who will care for me in my ignorance and in the weakness that proceeds from my ignorance? Lord Shiva, the Lord of the space before birth. Now, we could spend several incarnations together looking at the true deep implications of these holy scriptures. So there are a lot of there are a lot of ways that the Lord that Lord Shiva is the Lord of space before birth. But this is what I've this is what I've chosen for our meditation today. Lord Shiva is here to help me as I shed my ignorance. And if you compare that to a lot of Western models of spirituality, it's very refreshing. Lord Shiva isn't here to judge me or to condemn me or to punish me. Karma takes care of all of that without anyone lifting a finger. No, Lord Shiva is here to teach me my true nature so that he won't have to constantly be cleaning up my messes and helping me. You know, I'm, I'm, we're learning to walk here, aren't we? And he's there to help us when we fall and, and to tell us to not run with scissors. He's teaching us. He's the Lord of space before our birth as spiritual grown-ups. And some people hit spiritual grown-up in, in samsara right here. And some people, I think maybe they have to go to other dimensions to work their way up to it. But we're here studying the scripture so that we can try to... In, Abhinava uh, Gupta reminds us that enlightenment does not have to be a process. It can be, but it can also be an event. So we're going to study these scriptures attentively and meditate on, these wisd- on their wisdom and ask, ask Lord Shiva the questions that these 
sutras, that the, 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 these sutras, that the, 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 the questions that they bring up as, as we read them, right? These are here to, to raise questions in our minds. Revealer of essence is the next quality that the goddess addresses Lord Shiva with. Revealer of essence. So isn't that what we talk about in the tantric path? Lord Shiva, please reveal to me my true essence. I know enough to know that I'm dwelling in ignorance. So I ask you, O revealer of essence, teach me my true nature. My intellect, I can, I can form words about my true nature. I can write paragraphs about it. But you, Lord Shiva, the revealer of essence, you can take the words into, into reality for me, into a true understanding of my true essence. And we can all approach Lord Shiva as the revealer of essence. Slayer of the ignorance that binds us. Slayer of the ignorance that binds us. Lord Shiva, especially as Bhairava, the, the fiercest of the forms of Shiva, is the slayer of the ignorance that binds us. Let that sink in for a moment. What if, what if, just for a moment, you don't have to buy into it, just, just let's imagine it. What if, hypothetically, we were all nodes of divine consciousness, tiny sparks of incarnation of God, and the only thing between living basically as, as a demigod in another realm and living in samsara with, with, with all of the joys and sorrows that, that, are, that it's characteristic of. What if I can lose that ignorance of my true nature? What if Lord Shiva is the slayer of the ignorance that binds us? My limitations are a function of my ignorance of my true nature. This is the message. This is the, the message of the Upanishads. This is the message of the Tantras. She, the Devi continues, You who in play have created this universe. You who, who in play have created this universe. So, one wonders if bits of the divine fly off to begin a cycle of death and birth that eventually will conclude with reunion with the one in all ways, Moksha. Why would this whole system be created? Why is there a samsara? Why would the supreme divinity not just exist in total contentment without all of this messiness in samsara? This, I think, gives us a clue to a quality of that which can have no qualities. And that is a drive to experience, to perceive. Under this 
the teaching of, of, of this lineage. You exist and I exist so that the supreme divinity may see what it is like, may experience its creation through the eyes of you. Let's put it into common Western parlance. God created you. God spun off a bit of itself as you for the sole purpose of perceiving through your eyes, hearing through your ears, feeling through your uh, sensory neurons, you see. Your purpose right now, the, the reason you were spawned off from the whole to go through this adventure of samsara is to perceive. So, Abhinava Gupta uh, wrote volumes and volumes and volumes on how to perceive in, without our filters of perception. To see an apple and not think, oh, uh, uh, apple, uh, George Washington, apple for the teacher, apple a day keeps the doctor away, uh, et cetera, et cetera. We have, we've attached presence to the apple. We've defined it, we've interpreted it. But as, as note of divine consciousness, if you can perceive the apple as it is, without interpretation, without label, without association with memory or concept or construct, without word, without label, as it is, Abhinava Gupta said, that is enlightenment. Enlightenment is as close as that which is in front of you right now. And it need not be a process. It, isn't, it, it can be an event. Mm 